and she said, I have a problem um, that I want to talk to you about. Um, and that is, uh, I'm becoming too old to play with my toys, and I'm afraid people will laugh at me, and that makes me very sad. And I said, Maya, if you become a filmmaker, you never have to grow up. Welcome to The Art of Fatherhood, a podcast that takes you on the journey of fatherhood. Now here's your host, Art Eddy. This episode of The Art of Fatherhood podcast is being brought to you by Sabre. As your kids go back to school, Sabre wants to give you peace of mind. In addition, Sabre wants to help make your students feel confident while they go on campus. We all know as parents, it's a bittersweet moment when your kids head off to college. There are so many fun things for them to experience and explore, but also you want them to be safe. Sabre can do that with their school safety kit that has a pepper gel, a two-in-one personal alarm, and a doorstop alarm. Did you know that Sabre is the number one brand trusted by law enforcement and consumers worldwide? They empower generations with a deep range of personal safety product solutions designed with you in mind to keep you and your loved ones safe. Parents can carry on knowing that their loved ones are safer carrying Sabre. Right now, through September 15th, 2023, you can get 15% off select items using the code CAMPUS2023. Some of those items are a pepper gel with a detachable safety whistle, personal alarm with LED light, a jeweled pepper spray, and a 2-in-1 stun gun with flashlight. Learn more about how you can keep your family safe with Sabre by going to saberred.com slash back to campus. That's saberred. S-A-B-R-E-R-E-D dot com slash back to campus. And make sure you check out how you can get 15% off those select items by using the code CAMPUS2023. What's going on, everybody? Artie here for another edition of the Art of Fatherhood podcast. And I'm very honored to have the one and only Phil Tippett. Thanks for taking the time to chat with me, sir. How you doing? Good. Good, good. Looking forward to chatting with you about a whole bunch of stuff, especially your film Mad God that obviously is a labor of love. But let's talk about a real labor of love, (laughs) fatherhood. When you found out you were going to be a dad, Phil, what was going through your mind, sir? Well, I was reticent to give up all my, you know, like artists are very selfish people. And I just, you know, I, it, it's torture for me to give up my time, but, um, you know, and just like, eh, pregnancy is okay. Thank God I don't have to go through it, but you know, and then there was, uh, our, my first daughter, Samantha, it was a very difficult birth. And once she popped out, it was like the 350 million years of genetic engineering just popped right in, you know, just like a snap of a finger. And when she came out, she had a very difficult birth and she was blue. She was just like blue. And so they rushed her over and they put, um, you know, oxygen on her mouth. And from her mouth, it was like a white in an old horror movie. It just went from blue to flesh and, and it just wiped through her until... It went up to, you know, her fingers were the last to turn. So that that was that was just hallucinogenic to me. You know, it, it was amazing. So, um, and then the second one, uh, Maya, uh, was a little bit. You know, it was about two two and a half years later, and she was like a really easy birth, 
it was funny how these kids, you know, I don't know how it works exactly with other people, but it seems that, you know, kids rise to their own levels, you know, and, and Sam was a difficult birth and she was the um, difficult one. And Maya was the easy birth and she was the easy one. And when Maya popped out, I was up there with, you know, with my wife doing the Lamaze thing and breathing and whatnot. And then, you know, I was looking down and like my wife's legs were like this. And then um, the the nurse was like getting ready, and so the nurse is um, is is there, and it's like the baby's coming out. I can see the top of the head, and then you could just see the head, you know, beginning to emerge. And uh, the the doctor wasn't able to um, get there in in time, and uh, so this the the nurse had to deliver the kid. And as the, the head was, you know, coming out, the nurse's eyes just went, popped open. And she said, oh, my God. <laughs> it's like, what? You know, does it have a goat's face or what? <laughs> you know? Something and, you don't want to hear at one of the most important times in your life, right, Phil? Exactly. And, and so it was like, oh, you know, she, what's going on? She says, I've never seen anything like it. It was just when she came out, she she had her eyes open, staring at me, like you know, almost was like, like almost like again, put in movie terms, like apocalypse now, right? <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to use. Yeah. So anyway, that that was the beginning of the story. Yeah, tale of two births, man. Especially like your first one for you know your your first start. It's being like. Is this is this always happened like this? Does it like you know all of those things rush into you? And you're like, uh, no one ever told you about this, right? Like no one told you about like what was going to go on and all the the stress you had to deal with right at right at the bat, right? No, nobody does. And and I became a, a first time grandfather about two months ago. Now. Oh, congrats! With my eldest kid, yeah. And so we're uh, we're a family of redheads. I mean, everybody in my family is a redhead and uh the new you know granddaughter rosie is she's identical to all of us another nice. neanderthal gene <laughs> just knowing your work and you know reading up on you and seeing documentaries and all that stuff like creative obviously creativity is as, as is something i'm guessing you maybe were looking to instill or maybe didn't do it intentionally but just you know your kids seeing your work and all that but talk about some of the values you were looking to instill into your daughters as they're growing up well i wasn't looking for anything they they got what they got and i got what i got you know so um no it was you know uh one thing that was interesting that recently came up is these uh, french guys wrote a big book on me and samantha had come back uh visiting at some point last year and we had just gotten the galleys for the uh the book and it was just you know a bunch of little photographs and, and articles and so the one of the authors alexander Ponset, was showing it to her and i was in the other room watching tv or something and and when they got done looking at it, and it took me like about, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes, you know, Sam was just like, I, you know, she said, I had no idea that you were doing all this stuff. 
you know, then, you know, when, you know, um, I would go into work, you know, early in the morning, come home late at night and I'm working on this, you know, dinosaur movie, Jurassic Park. Okay, great. You have a gum. (laughs) 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 And, you know, and that was about it, you know. Um, (laughs) And so she was really amazed to see, you know, this whole, you know, I mean, you know, group of work. I mean, they all knew the movies, you know, eventually as they were growing up. But, um, oh, we had one thing. I just got to say, though, I love that line. It's like, oh, I'm working on Dinosaur Movie. I'm like, great. You got any gum? Like, right there, <laughs> Phil? Like, you just pretty much put parenting and fatherhood in a nutshell. Where you're like, oh, I'm doing this. Great. What's for dinner? Like, can I have a snack? Like, that's just perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. Samantha first had had the most innate visual hand-eye coordination of pretty much anybody in the family. But, you know, I've met a few people like this that were actually extremely talented. Um, and, uh, and could have been really terrific, you know, um, if they built up the skill. But, um, uh, you, you know, like like so many people I've I've met, they it, it comes so naturally to them, it's boring to them. I mean, they're they're not like compelled to do it because it's not a challenge, you know. And so she, um, you know, would always dabble and stuff like that. But she had done you know some really nice artwork and painting that just kind of dissolved by the teenage years. And then my other doc, daughter, Maya, when she was about 10 years old, you know, maybe 12, I forget, she, she said, Dad, after dinner, she would usually go up to a room and shut the door and play with these, you know, plastic animals, creating scenarios with, with them, just like I did with army men and whatnot back in the day. And, um, and she said, I have a problem um, that... I want to talk to you about um and that is uh i'm i'm becoming too old to play with my toys and i'm afraid people will laugh at me and that makes me very sad and i said maya if you become a filmmaker you never have to grow up and she went like really and i went like man come on and i got a high eight camera Went down in the back, you know, the um, the backyard, and got like, you know, what are we going to make a movie about? Oh, you can make a movie about anything, you know. Found like this little mouse puppet, and just and I, I and so I taught her how to shoot in the camera, you know, and, and don't even think about what you're making right now. Just have one shot lead to the next, and. If you have the little mouse looking like that, you pan off of it really quickly. And then for the next shot, you connect that pan, you know, to whatever you're going to do next, whatever it is. And um, and so she spent like a number of years doing that um, with her friend. They made tons of these hilarious little stories. And then 
uh, when she was maybe about 14 or so. Um, I uh, cr created a project, like a summer project. And uh, and so I, I, I wrote up a, a quick script and um, that Maya and her friend would be in. And um, we went out and found all the locations in Berkeley. And then we went back and we rewrote and then we kind of storyboarded it all out. So I, I walked her through the steps of, you know, how, how you, you do it. Um, it was like, you know, this is like the next step. This is film making, you know, two. Yeah. And, um, and got it completed and put all the sound on it. And uh, she moved to brooklyn and now it's become like quite a sought after editor you know uh she did edited um i guess she co-edited this thing on mavis staples and currently she's working on some big project with brian eno nice um, so anyway so it, it just like she had the bug yeah you know, and just stayed with her like ugly on an ape i i love that and you know it, it's just from your perspective, right, with all of your experience, and then at that age when you're showing her that, did you almost get a re like a rejuvenation of your craft and maybe just your career, seeing it through almost her eyes, like just the stuff you were like telling her to do, and then all this other stuff, and then seeing her passion for it, did that almost kind of take you back to when you were making stuff back in the day or what was that like feeling for you? Just kind of seeing well, her. I, I think that drug along with it, you know, um, you know, just by, you know, it's very nature and yeah, it was like, you know, um, yeah, I'm sure I exuded that, uh, um, excitement, uh, that is just in me and, 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 you know, innately about, you know, doing anything that's creative and it's like oh you can do this and what if you did that and you could do this <laughs> and don't get married with to anything and just like you know change everything and you know uh, and then later on you know you know all stuff i taught you about continuity do something that doesn't have any continuity to it you know or or don't pay attention to it uh and just and just shoot as you will and it, it's it's pretty amazing how if you're if you're doing that and you've had a, is a bit of experience, you will you will you've got the language and you just speak the language, and then you'll find yourself in a problem where something doesn't cut or there's like a discontinuity, <laughs> and uh, it doesn't matter. You know, once you've got the narrative going, you know yeah. nobody cares about that stuff. You know? Yeah. Thank you very much for that. Two more questions about father, and we're going to kind of talk about your fantastic career. You know, as an artist, and I know you probably see things in different lights and different views. What is something that once you became a dad, what is something that your daughters have taught you either about yourself or about life that maybe you didn't know was there until you became a dad? Well, I, it, it would be, I didn't know what I was going to become when I became a dad. Yeah. You know, but it was, I, I think, you know, I operated less of a father and more like a big brother. Okay. To that. You know, I, I would, you know, get them into trouble, you know. <laughs> so we, we, we had this thing where at some point, you know, they're in their, you know, 
early teenage years and they come to me and go, Dad, what's the scariest movie you ever saw? And I said, well, that would be The Exorcist. And he said, can we watch that? And I went like, sure, under two <laughs> conditions. One, your mother has to go out to party or visit friends or whatnot. And two, she must never know about this. Okay? You have to promise me. And so they <laughs> promised. So we get up to the scene where Reagan is at the party in peas. And that was it. Okay. Oh, the third one was you can turn it off anytime you want to. And and so that was it, turned off. And then, you know, weeks, months later, you know, my wife goes out again. And they want to they pick it up. And it took them two and a half years to get to the end of it. <laughs> and, and they're both huge horror fans. Nice. That that that's such a cool story, especially just in the sense of like, hey, it's between us, don't tell mom. Good. All right, we're good. One more question. Like, is there a dad hack or a piece of advice you would offer to new dads listening to this? You know, just because like a lot of once be, once you know guys become dads, they kind of like search out books or now in this case podcasts and like, hey, I found your podcast. Appreciate the different advices I you know pieces of advice I got. So, do you have like a dad hack or a piece of advice you'd offer to new dads? Don't micromanage. You know, let water find its own level. Nice. Awesome. Great right there. Now we're now kind of talking about your career. I want to talk about Mad God first, man, because with all the stuff you've been working on, with all the different projects, whether, you know, creating characters, making films, all that good stuff. You know, I I read that, you know, this was just a long time in the making and people encourage you finally like, hey, you know, finish this movie. Let's You should make this movie. When it was all done, what was like the first emotion you felt after it was completed? Well, I completely crashed at the end of, you know, towards the end of it, I, I self-diagnosed myself as, you know, bipolar, which turns out to be unipolar because I'm only manic. I, I don't get depressed unless my dog dies. And, um, and it's my secret power. And once I get going, I, I cannot stop until I exhaust myself. And then I'd like, you know, come back home and, you know, after like eight, 10, 12 hour days and plop myself down in the, you know, couch and watch TV and just, you know, my mind just didn't stop going, you know, it, it keeps going when my body can't. And so I began drinking heavily and that led to one thing after the next and I, I started to literally disintegrate you know my friends told me later like a homeless person you know um not bathing clothes ripped up with paint on them and uh bandages all of my hands from banging things up and long hair and long beard and um Eventually, I had some kind of a, a psychotic snap right at the very end. And I hated working on it at the very end at all. I was just like getting behind the mule and just doing it. And um, I really resented the project. And um, uh, and then in, ended up, you know, in the psych ward for a couple of days and a couple of months in recovery after that. And it was just the whole thing was just it was like a religious conversion. It was basically the Joseph Campbell hero's journey story, where the I, and I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I I did I had a vision like a religious vision, like bam, I saw God all at once, 
but how that all congeals you you just need to take a lot of time to pull this stuff together my wife was in the editorial department at um on amadeus and so we go out to dinner with milos foreman the director and as a young filmmaker i'd ask him you know for advice and he gave me the best advice i ever got which was if you want to take a good ship you have to eat well and it was like of course you the more time you have to develop something you know the the closer it will be to that vision if you have a vision at all yeah. and um that was that was the best advice you know and and that was in a period um I think it was before I shot anything on Mad God, but it just kind of stuck there. And it really was something that was kind of like a guiding light, you know, um, yeah. a very valuable piece of advice, you know, because you know, I shot the first three minutes, you know, in the late 80s. And then there was a 20 year period where, you know, I don't know how, but I, I just kept you know, I was really interested in this stuff and kept, you know, reading like Freud and Jung and Dante and, um, you know, just studying everything I could get my hands on. And that, that all helped, you know, uh, and I, I work primarily, you know, with my unconscious. You know, I, I really don't think forward that much. And like, say, I'm, I'm working on something, I get to the end of the day and I'm stuck. I just don't worry about it at all because I'm I have I'm very confident that the you know my unconscious will um, solve the problems for me, and nice. it always does, always does. Yeah, was there a point like you know I'm gonna maybe use a sports analogy right like when someone is in the zone right they just feel like maybe time slows down or whatever. But for your career, do you feel like there was a point in time where you kind of felt like you were running in stride because there's obviously going to be some self-doubt there's going to be certain things there's going to be deadlines there's going to be stress pressure all those things but what and there, there may have never been be a time or have been a time but was there a time in your career where you were just kind of like you felt like you were in the zone and you were just kind of like running all cylinders and, and you just like had confidence every day or is that like is that is that not really happen for an artist <laughs> no ever since i was a kid okay you know? never stopped you know okay. it was only uphill you know and I'm, I'm extremely lucky you know that that events have unfolded for me in such a you know very lucky way yeah was there um i obviously mad god definitely took a toll but like for another project you know you you've won oscars for work like return of jet all that was there a sequence that was like most challenging for you um you're just like trying to like how the hell do i how, how do we get this how do we get to like point b from point a like and then it finally worked out but like which was kind of like the most challenging but yet rewarding experience i'm guessing mad mad you know mad god was but like besides that was like in a movie that maybe you know you were working on with a team like what was like maybe the most challenging thing but like in the end you're like thank god we kind of we were kind of struggling for a bit because it, in the end it turned out to be the best sequence or the best way it could have, you know, finalized for the film. Well, it, it's pretty much just shots or, or certain scenes that come to mind immediately. Um, one of the most complicated was in uh, Return of the Jedi with these, this 
uh, two-legged walker. And the, the Ewoks have these um, logs up on the hill and they bang the, the logs down the hill, which was a high-speed miniature that we, we did, had specific timings that I had worked out for the feet. You know, as the thing logs come down, they it lifts a leg that hits the other foot. Um, the other leg comes down, the logs roll back, it has to pick up the other foot, and then the the logs roll and the guy has to like warble. And so uh fortunately we had this go motion, you know, set up uh that we couldn't have done the shot without. But that that took six weeks for me to you know i mean something we could do in like three days now yeah but um i had to develop this whole rotoscope thing with a big huge map box through the camera and you know all kinds of uh you know um you know um whatever they call the the sheets you do cartoon work on and i would draw you know, poses and frame counts and go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And um, and George was really good about it. You know, he knew this was going to be a money shot. And, you know, so it took six weeks. I mean, he didn't let that happen very often. But, you know, he, he saw, well, this is, this is, you know, this is going to be really terrific. I mean, when, when I was doing, when I did the Tauntaun on the second shot, when the thing goes up, to the top of the hill and and you know luke is introduced um the first take i did oh, it was just terrible I, I hadn't worked with the puppet enough so i said oh it's great and we're like no please let me do another take he goes no that's okay and i went no it's, it's not okay just <laughs> let me do another take he goes okay just one and like that's it's so unlike you know what happens today with all these you know micromanagers and the way you can loop shot over and over and over and everybody's looking for something wrong rather than just going like does it work is it a shot in a movie you know and you know those days are long gone well just kind of speaking on that like nowadays because most of the stuff is you know is it hard to turn off like when you're watching a movie and if you do like spend time watching movies and all that stuff, like, is it hard to turn it off your creative brain and be like, oh, they probably did that? Like, can you like separate like your profession from like an actual movie for the most part, or is it sometimes hard depending on what type of film it is? Yeah, if it's compelling, yeah, okay. definitely. You know, I just get in that world and I'm just there. You know, so yeah, yeah, definitely. cool, man. Thank you very much for your time. You've been so generous. We're gonna finish off with the fatherhood quick five favorite family movie. Whether now maybe you know with uh, your grandkid, uh, grandkids, or maybe you know your daughters. Besides, maybe The Exorcist. Maybe it was a favorite movie, but you guys have one. Well, it would be you know kind of like a comfort food movie, you know. And even my kids, you know, now that they're you know in their thirties, you know, will we'll come back and uh, you know we'll put on a Ray Harryhausen movie. Nice. You know, and, and they grew up with all those, just like I did, and I introduced it to them, you know probably from birth and and so yeah so we'll, we'll usually put one of one of ray's movies on nice was there a, a type of music a genre of music or even a band or an artist you couldn't wait for them to like listen with you like hey check out this band did you have any like anything like that oh yeah i i introduced my you know my wife and i have a you know broad range of 
were very omnivorous when it comes to music. And so the kids were introduced with a ton of stuff, you know, and, and we come at it from totally different points of view. So they, they had a, you know, pretty healthy menu of the more obscure stuff that I like and the more, you know, kind of pop or, you know, uh, not, not like pop, but, um, mainstream. Yeah. Mainstream stuff that, that my wife likes. That's awesome. So very eclectic, uh, like taste music. Love it. Um, describe the perfect family vacation. Where would it be? There's no such thing as a perfect family vacation. <laughs> you no, know, because you're just not used to being with each other all the time. <laughs> and now you have to be. You know? <laughs> and you always hit these snags or roadblocks. And it's like, what am I doing here? I'm going to the park. <laughs> So true. Yeah. Like, I, I appreciate the honesty. Like, yeah, there's, we're like, why are we doing this? Why are we like, yeah, all of those different things that caught, like coming through your mind. I love it. Um, favorite character. Do you have a favorite character that you've created for any of the films you've worked on? No, just like I don't have a favorite kid, you know, <laughs> just like it was all, everything was fun, you know, a fun challenge. And lastly, top three words you hope your daughters would use to describe you as a dad. What would you want them to be? Top three words. Well, top two words would be quit smoking. Okay. Which I have. Nice. Hey, that works right there. I appreciate that. People, make sure you follow Phil on Instagram at MadPhilG and also go to Twitter at uh, Phil Tippett and go to his website, tippet.com. Phil, it's been an honor chatting with you. I appreciate you taking the time out of just, you know, busy life and all that good stuff, but it was an honor chatting with you and I wish you and your family continued success, sir. Okay, thanks. My pleasure, man. Take care. Thank you, too. Bye. Bye. I want to thank Sabre for sponsoring this week's Art of Fatherhood podcast. I really appreciate their support, and I also appreciate what they're doing to keep families safe and not only give students confidence when they're on campus and away from home, but also, to giving parents peace of mind. Make sure you check out their great sale right now by using the code CAMPUS2023. And also, too, please rate, subscribe, and review anytime you check out the Art of Fatherhood podcast. I really appreciate that. It'll help get the word out. Go to artoffatherhood.net for all the different podcasts, articles, reviews, and giveaways. Thanks for listening to the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts and go to artoffatherhood.net.